0: Rita Kempley of the Washington Post called this movie A randomly, raggedly funny look at the personal cost of being one with the hustling, clamorous crowd Amazon.com user Willow Ariel griped I was sorely disappointed by this movie and only chortled aloud two times My boyfriend fell asleep about 20 minutes in And Peter Travers of Rolling Stone said Funny guess again. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of Quick Change. Which one will
1: it be?
2: It's the
0: Kyle Podcast. Greetings, starfighters, friends. Hey, John. How goes it? Hey, Dan. It is
3: smoky. It is yeah. crazy. Uh, yeah. Here in Portland, the sky has been orange. We are recording this on September 10th. And yeah. uh, if anybody hasn't been paying attention...
0: The West Coast is on fire. Are are you getting much up there? Um it is about to get bad. Mm. So uh I know the other night it 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 was really windy the other day in Seattle and that night it was really really like thick in in the air. Yeah. And then it kind of felt like it was dissipating but the fires in Eastern Washington are 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 still raging. So but uh, uh, I I was informed that it is about to to get pretty bad up here as it has been further south down the coast throughout Oregon and of yeah. course Calif- California.
3: Oh yeah, I mean at least we are all in the practice of wearing masks if we are going outside. So there's that. Uh, we certainly have our air purifiers turned up on their highest settings, um, and. It's interesting because uh, you know so many people have been pointing out how outside looks like, you know, Mad Max Fury Road or the new Dune trailer that is out there. Dan, have you seen the new Dune trailer?
0: I have seen the new Dune trailer, and I were you a fan of the the I mean original, but the the first Dune movie. I'm a fan of, no, I would say I'm a fan of David Lynch Mm -hmm. and there are things about it. And Kyle MacLachlan, let's be real. Yeah. Oh, of course. Well, I'm a a fan of Sting, you know? Yeah. So I never, maybe it's because I never read the book. Mm. Something never clicked with me. It's one of those movies that I really want to like more than i do i have very distinct memories of it and uh-huh. like there are images of it a it few really years ago it, you know it's like one of those movies where
3: i don't know if it's anybody's like favorite movie but it certainly like has its place as like hey this is a really interesting effort and so like oh. the fact that there's this uh you know remake coming out or new adaptation that's coming out is kind of like, I don't think that anybody's up in arms about, (laughs) you know, about it.
0: No. Well, uh, Denis Villeneuve, uh, Denis Denis Villeneuve has in terms of like just visual, feasts like yeah i feel like a lot there's been a big fuss about the movie theaters opening up so people can see tenant on a big screen mm, yeah. and i'm like yeah you know tenant i could give it i could watch it at home i'd be i think i'd be fine but dune i want right. to see that on the biggest screen possible yeah. that looks so immersive right and i mean and all of his films are
3: absolutely um i loved blade runner 2049 i thought it was awesome love and that uh, arrival he, Arrival is just incredible. One of my favorite movies of the past 20 years, maybe.
0: Yeah, and I love that he seems to enjoy working with Dave Bautista. Mm. I noticed, yeah, because I saw him
3: in the trailer. I saw that he was in it, and I was like, and I was thinking, like, you know, he was in Blade Runner 2049, and it's like, clearly they have a good working relationship, or else, you know, when I see actors working with the same directors, it just tells you something about their experiences together
0: just kind of like me... david
3: lynch and kyle mclaughlin
0: exactly yeah david lynch kyle mclaughlin david lynch laura dern <laughs> right like yeah yeah the, the holy trilogy there yeah so and i also just get when i when i see guys who i liked as pro wrestlers mm-hmm. make it big in hollywood it yeah. makes me feel a little you know kind of outside the realm of just action movies Right. Um I mean it's
3: definitely a natural progression for uh, people in that in that wing of the entertainment industry and it's it, yeah it is kind of cool to see it uh with the exception of like when it's played up that they are just like wrestlers being in a movie. I think and I, I don't well, know that's... like Hulk, Hulk Hogan yeah. wh- I I th- but it's like suburban commando and even like rocky 3 it's like it's not like they were playing up him being well i mean well rocky 3
0: playing up being a wrestler for sure but well, uh he wasn't you know, but he he doesn't do anything outside of pretty much just being hulk hogan in right. this under these oh, circumstances in blade
3: runner 2049 you know, Dave Batiste is wearing like little tiny glasses and he's like a shut in, (laughs) you know, he's like a real character.
0: He's got this whole story. And even in like guardians of the galaxy, Mm -hmm. he's got this, uh, humanity to him that even though he is as a person and I've seen him in person, Uh um, you know, not up close, up close, but uh, this is a, this is a big guy. This is a, this is definitely a larger than average, person (laughs) and it it makes it all the more effective when you see him uh emotional or when you see him doing Mm -hmm. you know the the bits in guardians of the galaxy that are that are so funny that right like i think he really brings so much to those movies but i i digress
3: yeah no the but the dune trailer looks pretty cool uh, it's yes. got a ton of people in it who I really, really like. So it's not it gonna be that bad.
0: The all stars. Timothy Chalamet, Oscar yeah. Isaac. Zendaya. Zendaya, isn't it? Josh Brolin.
3: Mm-hmm. Oscar Isaac's beard is in it. Oscar Isaac's beard. Yeah, Oscar Isaac
0: looking regal. In well, that.
3: Uh, isn't he like a king of a planet? He is the king. Well, yes, <laughs> yeah. he is yeah. but but so yeah, you know. he better
0: look regal. You could be a king and not look regal. This you know? is true. Richard the Third. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Uh, so there's a few other. Um, Do you have a one more? Any one more things? Well, I, I just want to go over a few
3: things that I read <gasps> in news remake reboot news world. Uh, this is just a real quick one, but uh, allegedly Michelle Rodriguez said that the next Fast and the Furious movie is going to take them into outer space.
0: I oh John, as soon as you said next Fast and the Furious, I was just like outer space in my head. Yeah, and, yeah. I oh. I just
3: I was like I need to do nothing more than just read the headline. Basically, it was on Slash
0: Film. It's the and, Moonraker uh, of the franchise.
3: Yeah, right. It's like what, what else do they do?
0: Um, they've done everything else, and then I also but they saw they still have that- a movie that hasn't come out yet. They've got the one where John Cena plays Vin Diesel's evil brother. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Fast 9. Oh, wait. Then that's
3: the same one, because she says that Fast and the Furious 9 goes into space. So I guess oh. there's an element to it that is interstellar.
4: So
0: excited.
3: The only other thing that I saw that caught my eye is... I didn't realize they were doing... Did you know they're doing a RoboCop prequel series that's all about the Dick Jones character? The creator of Ed Two Hundred and Nine, Ed Two
0: Hundred and Nine. No, is it wh- like is it going to be like like the RoboCop version of like S- Succession, where it's like Dick Jones rises through the ranks at OCP or something? I don't know.
3: I you know the the slash film article was likening it to kind of how Better Call Saul is, focuses. It's like a you know a Breaking Bad a uh, spinoff that doesn't involve Walter uh you know so right I, I don't know I I feel like I feel like this is the type of thing that we would come up with where it's like what about a prequel about this guy what a fascinating character he oh, must
0: be yeah but I would definitely go with the Clarence Boddicker character yes I I who knows maybe he's involved like I want to know. I want to see like little Clarence Boddicker against like bitches leave, and my favorite line in that movie.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's too bad that we have to do some one more things because what a perfect segue for Kurtwood
0: Smith. Oh, seriously, yes, yes. Um, very excited to see him pop up in in Quick Change before before we get rolling. I have to, I've been neglectful in my promotion. Oh, of yeah. So. uh Sorry, we just started going. Yeah, no, I'm I'm sorry, and I meant to mention this uh, over the last couple of episodes. But first of all, want to shout out Big Kev's Geek Stuff who recently celebrated their 600th episode. Wow, I was I was there in the beginning because this was uh, yeah. back in in the days when I lived. I had an apartment with Big Kev of Big Kev's Geek Stuff, yeah. uh, and Matt Matt lived there briefly while I lived there, and they started doing the podcast and invited me on just because like we would hang out and i would get angry and i would rant about some ridiculous thing and mm. pop culture and they had me do that on the podcast that, a couple of times and then it kind of just went beyond that but sure. uh i i did i did uh revive the character for the six hundredth episode. Oh, really? That's great. Um, but yeah, but just wanted to congratulate them on that, and also, yeah, no kidding, um, Jake Asal and the Lighter Side Podcast. Mm-hmm. I yeah, made this another... is about your your other life, your your day life. I did aside from the part at the end when I promoted ruined childhoods. Yeah, that's us. I I. Yeah, it was all about teaching uh, in the age of COVID and right. uh this was before we started the school year. Uh we started the school year last week. So, mm-hmm. uh but this was uh recorded a few weeks ago, but one of the teachers that's interviewed had already started her school year remotely and it's an interesting conversation. Like I, I definitely learned a lot from talking to some other colleagues. Mm-hmm. So if you are also interested in hearing about education and there's you also just need that Dan voice in your ears. If you're like, Get oh, it. Oh, I like hearing Dan talk about things. <laughs> I, I am, and I am very disciplined in my ranting slash mm. So as I will, uh, Attempt to be this evening, right? As we talk about quick change, yeah. But first,
3: but first, but first uh, one, more and one more thing.
0: One more thing. D- did you have any one more things for the party? I feel like I did when, like, I unfortunately my one more things pop into my head at the worst times. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just like you know running over to the, the grocery store or something, and don't even have my phone or whatever. And I feel like something. There was something that came up for me that I don't know if we discussed. Did you have anything you want to add about the party? Oh, I mean, I, well, this is something
3: I'd like to add that isn't anything that's like we've, I, we should have talked about this. I forgot to talk about this. But I, I, you know, in my daytime life where I work at the Portland Art Museum and uh, I'm not going to, you know, name names or anything like that, but it's really cool uh, the the equity and inclusion work that we're doing, and we have different um, you know, there's a, a people of color affinity group, you know, for uh, people to discuss the things that ways in which you know race has uh, come into their lives, and we also have a white learning space for um, people who are white who can t- to talk about the things that have you know, come up since the last meeting about, you know, race race issues, which, of course, we have plenty. And being in Portland, we certainly have a lot to talk about, um, you know, with all the protests that are always going on. And I was in the white affinity space meeting the other day. And, you know, everybody just kind of talks about different, you know, it doesn't have to do with the work that we're doing or anything. It could be something small, um, how we talk about race and things like that with our kids stuff like that and I mentioned our episode about the party and how it was really enlightening to kind of look at things from other perspectives especially uh, since that episode it's you know it's satire that when you really watch it and pay attention to it it's a very meta commentary about what it's doing in the movie about race at least that's how I was interpreting it. And, you know, just hearing some of the feedback that we've been getting, it's interesting to hear other people's uh, experiences with uh, with race or brownface, which the party deals with heavily. Uh, Peter Sellers is in brownface and uh, also inspired the um, Hank Azaria Voice for a so it's like two levels of brown face deep. So, uh, yeah, all I wanted to say is that it was just really cool to, to be able to talk about that and, um, just kind of the, the experience we were having because we have these agreements that we all have at work that we try to bring into our lives outside of work, and these are. I mean, you'll see them pop up if you, like, Google, like, five agreements, like, equity agreements or something like that. They are stay engaged, speak your truth responsibly, listen to understand, which is uh, one that I always am reminding myself of, Um, be willing to do things differently and experience discomfort, which is, like, it is okay It's actually important that you feel uncomfortable because that's the only way that we learn. And uh, accept and expect non-closure, which is also important because you can't have a conversation and fix racism and change somebody's opinion or have your opinion completely changed in just one conversation. And the final one is confidentiality. So, you know, just making sure that everybody's uh, views are, you know, that they share are, are kept within the, within the group. So it's, it's cool. Uh, and I, I encourage everybody listening to, uh, to consider those agreements for yourselves. And, um, you know, we have, we didn't get any negative feedback, uh, you know, and, and I just, as we talk about things, because this, yes, this is a podcast about like two guys goofing about movies on its base, but we are, people who are living in the current time and place where we are. And it's unavoidable to bring things up, especially when we're talking about movies that really lead, lead you to that discussion.
0: Yeah, John, uh, that's exactly um, what I was just thinking and wanted to just say it's so, it's great to hear you and, I feel like a lot of other people now are talking about having discussions in that space with those five agreements, which is Mm -hmm. there. Those are five agreements that we use in restorative justice practices in the educational setting. Mm -hmm. When we have like a restorative justice circle, it is like you stay engaged, you show you're engaged, speak your truth, you know, everything that you just said. And the discomfort is really the most important thing because when we're in, when we're discussing things like uh, like racism and mm-hmm. inequity, we should not be comfortable with that. We should right. be uncomfortable with that, and especially when we're in a place where we at least might feel somewhat complicit in that, or at least like, uh, you know, on the side that benefits from it, right it's kind of, it's especially important. We're, we're seeing who is, is not feeling discomfort in, in that. So. Right. um, Exactly. And we, we, I don't want to be counted among their numbers.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's all all I wanted to say about the party, unless you thought of something else.
0: I, well, I think I recalled my thought, or at least I had another thought. And I, 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 I don't remember if I mentioned this in the episode but just thinking about the title cuz so i was also thinking about mm. the title of of quick change and i was thinking about meetings mm. and and thinking also about how the party begins and how everybody is separated
3: well and how how we the, did, do you do, do, do you mean the movie the party or how the actual party in the party begins because i don't think the, that we even talked about how the actual movie begins with the movie no, set. Not,
0: we talked about it briefly we talked about it briefly Oh no, I mean like the actual party party mm-hmm. is very it's it's not socially distanced, but <laughs> there's just like that distance, whereas by the end it really is a oh, party. So a- it goes yeah, it goes from being a- parties. Right. Mm-hmm. Like separate parties, like the uh, you know, the cowboy and and the the girl he's with and, and the, the, the producer, or, yeah. the sen Yeah. And then it's just everybody all in the pool with the bubbles all together and the, you know, the, uh, Harishi or the, um, Harudi, Harudi, the, um, Peter Sellers character talking to the, the daughter of the, uh, the, the, the senator, the producer, whoever owns the house. That's
3: the daughter of the, um, the studio
0: head. The studio head. Okay. So, and just like those, the perspectives like you're talking about, I love the title because we think of separate parties mm-hmm. and this really shows what happens when separate parties let down their, are, are almost forced to let down their guard mm-hmm. and end up metaphorically all in the pool together. Right. And it reminds me, I'm sorry if I'm, I, if I'm, you know, repeating things that I already said, but it reminds me of the movie Bullworth. Warren Beatty mm. when yeah. he's talking about race issues and he was just like, everybody just
4: got to keep fucking everybody till they're all the same color.
0: <laughs> yeah. We wouldn't have a race problem anymore because <laughs> we'd just be, everyone would be all everything. And you know uh, it reminded me a bit of, of that. So yeah. My one more thing. Okay. Well then let's talk a little bit about
3: quick change. Y'all saw it as the title of this episode. Dan mentioned it a second ago. We're talking about the 1990 Bill Murray starring and co-directed and produced. I believe
0: he co-wrote as well. Did he? I don't know if he co-wrote it. No. 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 Um, Uh, It is... Based based on the book by Jay Cronley.
3: That's right. Uh, I believe it's actually technically the second... Maybe the first of two adaptations of that book. But I, I not like it's the other one is called Quick Change. I think it's just another movie that was adapted from that book story-wise. So mm. I'm going to go through a little synopsis. This one's very brief. You ready? Go for it. Led by Grimm, the charming master hind behind a bank robbery netting a cool mill... Girlfriend Phyllis and best bud Loomis attempt to escape New York with their booty, but their bank robbery skills far surpass their navigation skills. Unable to find the BQE on their way to JFK, these three clowns end up getting mugged, harassed by the new tenants of Phyllis' apartment, involved in a mob scheme, involved with a problematic cab driver, and are all the while being chased by an old-timer police chief Rotzinger who has a score to settle. All the while, Phyllis is pregnant with Grimm's baby and is hesitant to flee the city and start a new, uncertain life. It all comes to a head when the gang, the mob, and the cops all make it to the airport in a major confrontation. When Rotzinger sees the elusive mob boss Lombino on the plane, everything aligns. Lombino is the only criminal that Chief Lotzinger hadn't been able to catch, but he does do it with the help of Grimm, not realizing that he's the bank-robbing mastermind that got him all into this mess. So Bill Murray plays Grimm, Gina Davis is Phyllis, Randy Quaid is Loomis, Jason Robards is so good as Chief Rotzinger. Tony Shaloub is a cab driver who does not know any English, um, we have Phil Hartman as Edison, the current tenant of Phyllis's apartment, and um, Bob Elliott, Chris Elliott's father uh, of Bob and Ray, plays the guard at the bank. Uh, Stanley Tucci plays Johnny, one of the mob, I don't know, mob guys. Kurtwood Smith plays Lombino. Yeah, <laughs> Kurtwood Smith, the aforementioned Kurtwood Smith.
0: Spoiler alert, he he's Russ Crane. Right. It, it, that's his, his alias, Russ, Russ nobody- Crane. Russ Crane. Nobody talks that way to Mrs. Russ Crane. Yeah. Uh,
3: Yeah. This came out in, um, this came out 30 years ago, so I'm not worried about spoiling it for anybody. Uh, So, and and I, I kind of chose not to really talk too much about the thing that's most remembered, I think about this movie and what's on the poster as with Bill Murray as a clown, you know, he, the, the actual bank robbery itself is just such a small component to this movie. Um, And, you know, when I was watching it the other, I watched it a few weeks ago, and I don't really remember the movie that well, because I think I had seen it when I was really little, but I went into it expecting it to be kind of like a dog day afternoon type of situation where, like, the entire thing is this bank robbery, but it's like, oh, no, they're out, and the rest, the movie is actually about their journey. That's Act One. Act One is the bank
0: robbery, pretty much. It's like
3: Act point seven five it's you know it happens yeah. pretty fast so um yeah i don't know i thought that that was kind of interesting that that wasn't really the meat of the story
0: right right though i think it 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 sets up a lot right off the bat it sets up a lot about the about the three characters, about Loomis, right, uh, Phyllis and Grimm, even before you know it's them. And the I the first time sure. I saw this movie and I was like thirteen, uh, I don't I didn't realize I wasn't just like, oh, that's Gina Davis in a blonde wig.
3: Yeah, yeah, because Gina Davis and uh Randy Quaid are acting as just people at the bank that are hostages, but they're
0: it's a brilliant life. plan.
3: <laughs> it's yeah, it's a good plan. It worked. It wouldn't, it couldn't, it couldn't work now just with cell phones and all the surveillance that's everywhere. I don't think. Right. Because they'd be looking well, at cameras from like the subway and, you know, stuff
0: like that. This movie is very much though about what's, what's interesting is it comes out not long after LA or I think, wait, did LA Story come out after, I think LA Story might've come out the, the I year I feel like after it was 90.
3: Out, um, I just don't know how 90. <laughs>
0: Just how ninety was it? Well, I remember Just it, was like, March, was, I it, was, it was, was like a March. I think it was ninety one. Yeah. Oh, February eighth, ninety one. yeah. February eighth. So, well, anyway, they both come out, you know, within a a range of each other, and I think that la la story is very much about almost like the mythical version of Los Angeles and. Mm-hmm. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you've lived in Los Angeles, I haven't, but True. I feel like if you've lived in Los Angeles, there's certain things about LA Story that you just get.
3: You know, I watched LA Story while I was living in LA, I don't know if I could speak to that perspective, having it not been that recently that I watched it, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure you're right. And and actually, LA Story came up recently when uh, Laura, my wife, and I were... Um, we were actually at the art museum where I work and some, something came up that was reminiscent of LA story. And yeah, so we were talking about that for a bit. So yeah, that movie comes up every now and then.
0: Doesn't Sarah Jessica Parker roller skate in a museum in that? Or am I, am I not, am I mixing things up?
3: I
4: could I be mixing things know. up. I don't know.
0: It's, it's probably not important, but I feel like <laughs> quick changes is, is about this, New York city that it's a little more realistic LA story Mm. is, has a lot of magical realism, quick change. Oh yeah. And and the whole plot of like going in as a clown is fantastic because how else do you go? How else do you walk through New York city with yourself disguised and not really be noticed? Mm. And it's really like, it's a disguise. It's it's enough of a disguise to work, and it enables him to make a quick change hey. into his next disguise. That's and maybe that's the. I, I'm not suggesting this be the backstory we explore, but like, does he have some experience in, um, you know, wigs and makeup and? Yeah, <laughs> it seems like he does because his disguise
3: as the hostage when he comes out. Claiming to be one of the hostages, um, I mean, it's pretty good. It's pretty
0: good. Yeah, he's got a line. I remember we used to watch this a lot in middle school. I had it taped off HBO, mm-hmm. and I remember the one line that we would always just like repeat over and over was when he comes out and he's talking about how how the clown was like sexually uh, like harassing oh. and threatening to sexually assault. He goes, "Hey, Maybe. baby." Up, up your, your butt, butt with a, a coconut, a coconut. <laughs> but there was no coconut I saw, I saw no, no coconut. coconut and yeah. he's a, he's almost doing he's almost doing carl from a <laughs> from Caddyshack there just right yeah for that brief he's second he's slipping into his bill murray uh yeah but throughout the rest of the movie it it's almost the, the Bill Murray, the latter day Bill Murray, kind of the sad contemplative Bill Murray. The like of- broken
3: flowers, coffee and cigarettes. Those are just two Jim Jarmusch movies. I was going to say, it's the Jim Jarmish
0: <laughs> the- Wes Anderson, Bill Murray.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Where he's just like an aggravated, put upon guy who's, you know, got to figure everything out
0: on his own. Yeah. So I feel like, and that's. That's kind of where he is in this movie in 1990. Right. And I mean, he directed it. So
3: you have to wonder if he's just like, you know, I'm more than just a clown. I am also somebody who is put upon from time to time. So it, and I know that he and Howard Franklin directed it, you know, because like the direct, I was it Jonathan Demi who was going to do it and dropped out. And they were just like, well, i we, we should just do it ourselves.
0: Well, Ron Howard was offered the job. Right. Jonathan Demme was going to do it and it became unavailable. I am guessing, I'm trying to think what Jonathan Demme would have been working on. I'm guessing Silence of the Lambs, <laughs> perhaps, um, which comes out, you know, February 1991, I think opens the same well, weekend would, as LA Story. Sense. That would make sense. So, and yeah, uh, uh, this is in the trivia in IMDb. It says that, according to Variety, that Howard Franklin and Bill Murray became so attached to the project during the development on it that they eventually decided they were the best people for the job.
3: Yeah. And, I mean, you know, we're talking about it today. People know this movie. (laughs) People remember this movie. I'm not arguing. Yeah. It's it's not like... People don't think of this when they think of, like, the great Bill Murray movies, typically.
0: Um, Right. It's It's not often one that people... I mean, I think, like, one of the more iconic images, like Bill Murray images, comes from the Life Aquatic, which is not... Mm. I don't know if that's one that everybody initially jumps to. I really... I love it, and I love him in it. Yeah, he's great. But, I mean... Yeah, Bill, I mean, we've talked about Bill Bill Murray, you know, Groundhog Day, yeah. and Ghostbusters. Right. Tootsie, and we've got a Tootsie reunion. Tootsie Bill Murray, r- Gina Davis. That's right.
3: It's a Tootsie reunion, yeah. That's right. And, uh, you know, talking about other reunions, not that this is a reunion, but, you know, a few years later, we have um, Jason Robards and Randy Quaid reuniting in the paper, um, which yes. I just watched the other day and I was like, I renegaded Jason Robards again. <laughs> so uh, just great movie. Just, Oh, the paper is so good. Great movie. And also like extremely relevant right now.
0: Oh, so relevant. We will do that. We'll do that
3: one soon. We'll do that one soon. Yeah.
0: Exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we've got this bank robbery and It's, he's got the painted on smile. It's great. They open with that shot of him on the subway and like it's summer and, you know, there's one of those things where it's, if you've been in New York over the summer and ridden the subway, you just know how uncomfortable it is. And if you've ever worn clown makeup, which I have, it is uncomfortable. So Dan, you lived in New York and I know you
3: also did some clown stuff. I know you did some clown stuff in Philadelphia, which we'll talk about in a bit, but
0: did you do any clown stuff in New York? I did not do any clown stuff in New York city. Okay. I did it. It was all in, in New Jersey, but it was over the summer and yeah, clown makeup is really uncomfortable in really in any weather.
3: Well, I'm sorry that I put you through that when you starred in my short silent film funeral.
0: When I was in college, that was different. That was art. That was art.
4: <laughs> that wasn't like to make a it quick was, fifty bucks. It that was, was that was art.
3: The like the definition of like college film student. Uh, it, yeah, I liked it. <laughs> it was fun. Uh, yeah, I had a I had a good time doing it. I don't care. Uh, yeah, that was ridiculous. You were Sprinkles the Clown.
0: Sprinkles the Clown. Yeah, uh, <laughs> attending his own. Sending his own funeral. Yeah, he died for your grins. grins. He died for your grins. I'm remembering I have shots of it in my head right now. And I'm remembering it was like pretty creepy, but very much like the, you know, film student who just got into French New Wave. Oh my God. It's so funny because
3: right now I'm actually like going through all of my DVDs and digitizing them. And uh, just so I can just get rid of the physical media. And, you know, a lot of the things that I acquired were around that time you know the early to mid 2000s and there's like such range because it's kind of like police academy six city under siege and then there's you know ed wood and there's like the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie and then it's like the it's just like oh yeah this is like a real snapshot of my life in my, you know, early twenties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I understand completely. Yeah. yeah. So uh, another thing I wanted to talk about is, uh, you know, while we're on the subject of the, the clown situation is that a year later, Bob guy Goldthwaite put out shakes the clown, which was touted as the citizen cane of alcoholic clown movies. And, uh, you know, part of me wonders if like, and, and I think that there were a lot of times when I would maybe confuse in my head Quick Change with Shakes the Clown. Not now, but like, you know, when I was younger, because they were these two movies that have very similar, like, I don't know, posters or VHS cassette covers.
0: That- Shakes the Clown. It's him standing like with his legs spread over Julie, Julie Brown, Julie Brown, yeah, not downtown Julie Brown. No, the but other Julie, Julie Brown. Brown of Earth, Earth Girls, Girls are, are Easy. Yeah,
3: Earth Girls Are Easy. Julie Brown, uh, right? But it's you know just like there's the clown on the cover. They came out close to around the same time, within a year of each other, and yeah, I, you know, and it's like I want. I'm sure there are other people who you know confuse the two of them, maybe thinking that Quick Change is the Bob Guy Goldblate one, which. I have to definitely revisit, since especially since Bobcat Goldthwaite's career, especially directing career, has gone in such a really fascinating path. I know that also there's a lot of things about Shakes the Clown that have kind of lived on um, beyond that movie. The song Binky the Doormat by uh, R.E.M. is inspired by Tom Kenny's character, Uh, A line that he says in that movie. So, you know, it's like there's...
0: right.
1: And I'll tell you another uh, extremely interesting thing about me is that even though I've got this big-time cartoon show on the air now, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to be one iota different than I ever was. And you know why I'm not going to change?
2: Why? Because I'm an asshole! Asshole! You all hate me! You all loathe me! make fun of my jokes, think I'm not funny, think my balloon animals suck.
1: You know that. Binky the doormat. Binky the doormat. That should be my name. Not Binky the clown. Binky the doormat. Everybody walks all along. I don't stick up for myself. They say the squeaky wheel gets the grease. I'm the quietest fucking wheel you've ever seen because I don't bitch about anything. I'm a wimp. Fucking nuts, that's what I am insane no i'm not insane i'm just different didn't wear my crystal today that always makes me a little tense
3: you know it's a a little cheap movie with made by somebody who just kind of has the passion and clearly has made a lot of money from doing police academy movies so <laughs> is uh experimenting with their uh their comedy so definitely i definitely want to give that one another watch but let's yeah let's let's go back to to quick change because this is this is really a a road movie you know you're traveling through New York trying to get to JFK I don't know it's it like you were saying like it definitely feels like a very realistic portrayal of like 1990s New York
0: but slightly surreal like the part with the jousting uh, when they're I, I guess they're in Queens that. they're going to JFK so. But yeah, the part with uh, yeah, and the the woman with the fl- uh, flowers for the for the dead, right? And yeah, it was it uh, the line? Good thing she isn't too symbolic. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it, I I have to say one of the w- one of the sequences that I I really noticed. Oh man, Jason, I never noticed, but like you know, Jason Robards has like his his sidekick, like his right hand man, who's with him always. Right, um, right, right. I forget the guy's name. At one point, I, it might be around the bodega sequence I, or or when they're actually at the bank. He's like grabbing him by the hand. He's like leading him by the hand. <laughs> and it's so, so funny. But um, the scene, the sequence with the bodega mm. and- Where he's trying to ma- get the change for the bus- well, there's the, there's the part with the, there's the change for the bus and the, the thing with the mob uh, mm-hmm. after they go in and impersonate the, the mob uh, well, collection. Yeah.
3: So they walk into this door just to try to get away to, I don't know, steer clear from the cops, and they walk in on a mob meeting. This ain't my dick in your back.
5: That's a relief. We came about the money. What'd that walking corpse say? He said they come about the money. Ask him what money, asshole. What money, asshole? Incredible. They're playing games. Yeah. (laughs) Tell him you're gonna play games on his fucking head. I'm gonna play games on your fucking head. You must hate this warehouse. Because it's going to be a three alarm job after tomorrow. Danny, come in. Come in. What the hell are you doing? I have no idea. I don't know. Well, I ask you. Um, Mr. Skelton wants to know, how come he don't know you? Gee, because I'm new? Because he's new? Tell him Lombino didn't say nothing on me about no new bag man. Lombino didn't say nothing... Mr. Lombino? Huh? Mr. Lombino? Since when does a wise guy like you deserve an explanation from a giant like Mr.
2: Lombino? Mr. Lombino didn't say nothing to Mr. Skelton about all no right, new enough bag- already, Johnny. Don't you see me standing right here? Yeah, all right.
5: I'm sorry. All right. What happened to Mario? Mario? Somebody dared him. So we threw Earl here out of a moving car. Same spot he done, Johnny. You must love that spot. The man is an animal. All right, I'll give you the money. As soon as I call on um, Mr. Lombino will check you out. Fine. Actually, perfect. <laughs> I can hear Mr. Lombino now. Skelton just called me to check on Chip. Mr. Lombino, please. Skelton. I guess Chip wasn't so hot. Guess I'll have to put that animal, Mario, back on Skelton.
2: No. Wait, Uncle Mike, Uncle Mike, uh, Mr. Skelton, wait a minute, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We don't want Mario to come in here, that big bald giant with, with the stupid sunglasses, knocking everybody around for kicks. I mean, you know, I mean, nobody's stupid enough to do this for a few K. They gotta know that Mario's gonna come after them and pull out their livers. I mean, you know. I think that I might be right on this, so you know. It's good.
5: 6000 Short shipment. Yeah. You know, when I first heard the rumors about uh, Lombino being back in town, I said, no way. I mean, the man never leaves his uh, haven in Nevada. (laughs) But but now that I see you, I know it must be true. He's come to put his house in order. And that's why the man is king. Uh, Drugs, protection, you name it, Lombino (laughs) is king.
3: Yeah, and you know, Bill Murray, use, using his his Bill Murray character wits to get himself out of a situation. You mean Mr.
0: Lumbino?
3: Yeah. <laughs> he is, uh, he's great. Um, I mean, it, it's so great, and especially because Randy Quaid is just like a complete mess the entire time. I don't know. Yeah. It's It's yeah.
0: wonderful. Yeah. It reminded me of Analyze This when Billy Crystal is sitting in the meeting for, for Robert De Niro at the end, like towards the climax of the movie. And
1: right, Who is this guy? What the fuck is he doing here? Who I am? Who I am? Who, who am I? Who am I is a question for the ages. That's one we're all searching for to find out who I am, who's in there, who wants to come out and go, hey, I'm hungry. Who I am is too deep and, and perf- almost... You gotta go in deep and pull out the thing, like with that movie where the thing came out of the stomach and ate up the people on the fucking spaceship. May they rest in peace. My name is Ben Sobel. Leone. Ben Sobel. Leone. I'm also known as uh, Benny the Groin, Sammy the Schnoz, uh, Elmer the Fudd, Tubby the Tuba, and once. As Miss Phyllis Levine. But that was at a party, it was years ago. I smoked at the Tibet and I had a quackalude, and then suddenly I'm in fishnets and singing show tunes. These things happen, but it has nothing to do with what I'm here with you fine gentlemen today. So I apologize. That being said, I'm also known to the people who know me the best as the fucking doctor. The second part of your question that you asked me is uh, why am I here? I am here. <clears throat> Representing Mr. Paul Vitti, as is considerably glary. Country Eddie. Never correct me in public again. Do you understand that? Mm, you broke my heart, Jelly. You broke my heart. I apologize for the second interruption. As Mr. Vitti's. Consul I am intimately involved in all aspects of the VD family business, and I am prepared to speak for Mr. VD on all matters. Bada bing, bada boom, bada boom. Okay, doctor. I'll stop with the bullshit.
3: This is like, this is the second time you've mentioned Analyze This on the podcast in the past, like, four episodes or so. Really? I want to say it was like when Box Brown was on, you mentioned it he i
0: think he mentioned it i don't think i brought it up but well it has come up okay no it just made me like i wonder if billy crystal was like a little inspired by this because Mm -hmm. uh, i i feel like the way he just kind of like you know jumps into it is is great but i love how bill murray plays that scene and but yeah it's that type of character that very few people could could pull off as as yeah (laughs) yeah
3: yeah absolutely. Um and I'll you know I, I also really just want to give a huge shout out to Jason Robards, who uh, I feel like I was doing some reading up on Jason Robards, who is like a Navy veteran, you know, World War II veteran. and if you look at his list of credits both on stage screen television, wow, like, This guy worked. And it's so funny because, like, I was reading, I think on his Wikipedia page, it's like most known for like political dramas, like, uh, or um, it was like presidential dramas. And it was like, not to me. You mean just all the president's men? (laughs) No, it was talk, because he was like, he was Ulysses S. Grant in something. And, you know, I think oh, okay. he just did a lot of, like, Civil War type stuff. Stuff that, like, is probably not on our radar. A lot of television stuff that right. was, like, historical. So, but,
0: so, like, but generational. Like, like you know, our parents might think of Jason Robards more from, from that sure. than from Parenthood, Parenthood or Magnolia.
3: Right. Oh, Magnolia, his last movie. Incredible. Oh, my God. Incredible. Um, he really Amazing. went out in a, a fantastic way. Like that's, Magnolia is one of my favorite movies, but, uh, yeah, but like, it's a hell of a movie. yeah, all the president's men, a very similar role in the paper. Like, I don't know. He's just one of the best and a uh, big shout out to Jason Roberts. And it's like, big shout out to Jason Roberts for doing this movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely, little, dude can hang. Dude can hang. Dude can absolutely hang. He's great. He just like you know he gives it his all. He he always does. He always yeah. did. And in the pouring synopsis it out for Jason Robards,
3: pouring a, a major one out. And you know I um I I said this in the synopsis, but I don't know if it's completely true. But the whole Lombino thing, I said that it's the only person he couldn't catch in his career. Like he definitely has a chip on his shoulder about Lombino. I don't know if that's 100% no, I think they accurate. do it.
0: Uh, I think they they kind of I think they do establish that early on. I couldn't in the remember movie. if it
3: was like a hundred percent true or like almost true,
0: because I feel like he's talking to his little sidekick about retiring and yeah, and it's like oh yeah, you know this. It's kind of like catching the bank robber. On his last day, would yeah. make up for right. not catching this career, this organized crime figure that he's been pursuing his entire time, mm-hmm. his entire right. yeah, you know, it, not it, his and entire and career. But
3: I think that that's that storyline is really fascinating to me, and it it's so perfect that it's Jason Robards in that role too. Just love the guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, so we got Tony Shaloub as this cab driver because Randy Quaid's car does it like fall into like a riv- like a river or something like that. Like, it, I feel like it. Um,
0: yeah, they're trying to follow the. I I think they're trying to follow a map, and in my mind, I was like, oh, you could totally do this, where he's just following the GPS, and it doesn't, oh. you know, leads him right into the to the river. Um,
3: no, I think that they I were heard, like no, was parked that? out. No, they were parked, and they were inside. I think oh, Gina Davis's apartment, and yes. somehow it
0: like the bridge came fu- up. They're parked in. They're oh, parked the fire's in front of a, a hydrant. You know they're because parked in front of a hydrant. And you know what? Yeah. I I
3: I couldn't remember exactly what it was because Randy Quaid's character's car has a situation in the paper. And I didn't want to like confuse the two, so I was like, I don't, I just don't remember because in that one he's like double parked and whatever. So, well, the
0: car's a big, a a big problem because that's how, that's like when Randy Quaid screws it up for them in the first place.
3: Oh, by honking the horn. Yeah, with the horn. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So, uh, Bill Murray as you know the clown is uh, on the phone with Jason Robards claiming to still be inside the bank and then um brandy quaid accidentally honks the horn and he's like they're not in there he's he's off somewhere
5: don't insult me
3: now you get me
5: a respectable monster truck and don't get back to me until you do okay what was that what was what don't try to change the subject no tilt body no hostages I want
4: hostages. It's going to take time to find a tilting hydraulic body.
5: Well, that's not my problem. It was an accident. They would have waited forever to go into that bank.
4: Just throw me out of the car and run me over.
5: I could have called them from anywhere in the world tonight, just to tell them I was still in
0: the bank. That's a car horn. Yeah, so I, I was like, "Don't sound like William Devane." That's a car Devane. horn. Get me Jack Bauer. Buy this gold. Um, it's so ten dollars. <laughs> yeah. Lemonade. Uh, <laughs>
3: yeah. So Tony Shalhoub is the cab driver, and. Tony Shaloub who's just like you know he's he's always there he's always great. I uh, he's on Marvelous Mrs Maisel now,
0: right? Is yeah, that still yeah. going? Yeah. Yeah. So but I feel like I I feel like this character was almost a tech, was this um, before, sorry this, wings wings. Yeah. wings yeah. But but more of the kind of just generic stereotypical like New York foreigner cab driver, right.
3: yeah, pretty stereotype. much. Which, um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Tony Shalhoub he was born in America, but you know his ethnicity is middle maybe Middle Eastern somewhere. I don't know, but uh, it's definitely like I I'm so like. Aware of when people are doing putting on heavy accents, where I'm just like, should you be doing that? And then it's like Tony Shalhoub was like, oh no no no, okay you're good you're good you're good. And uh, but yeah, Tony Shalhoub was really funny. The you know it's just one of those characters that you just want to be like, no, don't do that. <laughs> you know he's just so frustrating. <laughs> yeah, uh, Stanley yeah. Tucci as the mob guy is great. This is the he's really the good. phase in Stanley Tucci's career where he's just playing these like small like small time like crooks. Uh, yeah. I think that in like Beethoven, he's like, he's what, one the of the, villain, hen- one he's, of the villains. he's a henchman. Is, wait, is he one of the villains with all is he Oliver Platt? The other one in that?
0: I have to look that wait, up. Wait, are you thinking of, oh, you're thinking of the imposters, which is him and Oliver Platt. Uh, am or, I? I want to I mean, say uh, that okay. also in Beethoven.
3: Uh, Ollie P
0: was in Beethoven.
3: I'm looking it up. Oliver Platt and Stanley Tucci and Beethoven.
0: No kidding. Okay, and then they reunited for the Imposters, yes. which is a fun little movie.
3: Wow, cool! Can't believe yes. I remembered that. So, uh, and then you have Phil Hartman in a very like non Phil
0: Hartmany role. Yes and no. It's it's non Phil Hartmany because it's like one scene, but that that part when it, like they're talking about Woodstock and all those things. Mm. And, and when he has that moment where he's just like, I've put the gun down. It's so, that delivery is so Phil Hartman. They were ripping off the TV when I came
5: in. Oh, I was touching it, kill me. Turn
2: around. Oh, great, Hal. For once it was gonna be fun. We were gonna eat on the floor, drink champagne.
5: Listen to old records.
4: Why are you blaming me?
5: We haven't even moved the bed in and already it's the same. Now give credit where it's due, Mrs. Edison. Hal made the commitment, didn't he? He gave up the rent control place in the village. Do you know him? He's paying 1500 for a one bedroom. 1500? Try 2600. You You weren't paying 1500, were you? We were paying 1260. 1260? Excuse me, I don't know you very well, but you must be crazy if you gave this place up. Maybe we are crazy. We bought a farmhouse near Woodstock. It's rustic, kind of a fixer, but the payments are 300 a month. We just had to try. I suppose you don't believe that either, Edison, that people would go and do a thing like that.
0: For your information, I was at Woodstock.
5: I don't judge you, Hale. Really, I don't but from Woodstock to Charles Bronson in 20 years. Good
3: one. I think that when I think of Phil Hartman though I think of like characters that are very confident, like overly confident and you know have like this bravado to them whereas this character was very like scared and timid most of the time because you know
0: it's these people who think that these people are robbing them. Yeah, it's another one of those just like his ability, I guess to con- to convince people to talk people into things they don't want to do, hence the robbery. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, he convinces Phyllis.
3: Going back to Jason Robards real quick, when I was doing some research on Jason Robards, I found out that Jason Robards' great-grandmother's maiden name was Loomis, which is Randy Quaid's character's name.
0: Whoa, spooky!
3: <laughs> so I have to wonder if like that was in the book, or if Jason Robards was just like, "Hey, can you name a character after like my great grandmother?" <laughs> well,
0: Randy Quaid had played a character named Loomis in The Wraith, Like Sheriff the Loomis. Ra- That's so funny. Was it?
3: I think it was Jeff Rubin, past guest Jeff Rubin, who was telling me about the yeah. Wraith.
0: I had yeah. not seen the yes. Wraith. Have I? Haven't seen it either. But but you just yeah. know that it it's come up on recent episodes okay yeah just like uh just like analyze this yeah (laughs) so um
3: i i also want to point out something that um i read about I, i think that it was mentioned on some npr program back in like 2006 but the movie inside man the spike lee joint is considered to be potentially a remake like a not official remake there's no clown aspect to it, but it is all about this heist situation and then the, it like the rest, it, like it plays out plot wise. That's what the NPR people, I have not seen the Inside Man, I think since 2006. So I don't remember it, but they were, the critic for the NPR was making the argument that it could be looked at as a remake of Quick Change. You're looking at me like I'm crazy, but I'm not making up this theory. No, you're not not crazy.
0: Whoever at NPR (laughs) that was somehow given permission to write about such things.
4: Before there was the inside man, there was a movie called Quick Change, a comedy about a bank heist that seems to go right, but then suddenly wrong. It stars Bill Murray as a bank robbing clown who can't seem to get any respect. I said
5: we're closed, bozo. I wouldn't. And that's Mr. Bozo, okay? What the hell kind of clown are you? The crying on the inside kind, I guess. This is a robbery. This is a robbery. It is. Thank you.
4: Gina Davis and Randy Quaid also star as Bill Murray's fumbling accomplices in the film. They're pursued by an equally fumbling NYPD, led by Jason Robards. This movie was released in 1990, and the premise, even some of the scenes, bear a striking similarity to this year's Inside Man. Joining us now to talk about the films is Weekend Edition's entertainment critic, Elvis Mitchell. Elvis, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Scott. And by the way, this is a gun, not a gub. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably my favorite scene in my favorite Woody Allen. When Woody Allen made movies, now that was that. Yeah. L- listen, are the are, are the producers of Inside Man getting away with the fast one here? I mean, is this a remake, a homage, or just simple theft? I think it's um, probably what they would call homage and what we call in this country actionable. I don't know. Um It certainly takes a few notes from from quick change right down to the bank robbers sort of hiding amongst the hostages as the hostages are all released to the police.
0: It it is it is a it's a New York bank. I don't want to I don't want to talk about it too much because it is somewhat recent, I guess. And if there are people who are like, oh, yeah, I never saw that movie. Should I watch it? Yes, you should watch it. I don't want to give anything away about it because I remember it being really good. I haven't it is, seen it in it a while. It is 14 but,
3: years old. I think that, you know, statute of limitations.
0: Well, let me just, th- there's a lot of, for, there are a lot of differences. There are more differences than similarities. Okay. We'll just leave it at that.
3: All I'm saying is that it has been documented by a an actual critic that it they made that, that connection. Whether you did or not.
0: It's here or there. I didn't make it because it's not there. Okay, fine. Fair enough.
3: Yeah, I, I don't know. Dan, do you remember... You said that you probably saw it on HBO. Was that your first time seeing this one?
0: Um, I, I probably rented it when it came out mm-hmm. on VHS. Like, it definitely would have been on my radar. I, it's like, oh, Bill Murray. Yeah. Gotta watch it. I, I, I mean, I watched pretty much everything that came out unless it was... Uh, like, not most horror movies. So, I didn't see a mm-hmm. lot of, like, horror movies or, like- We weren't a big you know, horror a, family. No. And, like, what the only other, like, erotic thrillers. Like, I wasn't, you know, I was, like, a fatal attraction. I think I can wait another 10 years to see that.
3: <laughs> but why do I feel like you had- Because, okay, let me paint a picture for everybody. There used to be a magazine called Premier Magazine. You're going
4: to-
0: Okay. I knew this is where you're going. Okay. I had I was as I was I was about to say this. I had like the one like the one sheet, not the VHS cover that's all blue, but like the white with just the clown and like the names. That's not
3: what I was going to say. Okay. I'm just painting a picture for our audience who doesn't know. Premiere magazine it was this magazine that came out all about movies. And it the the format of it was not like your typical magazine dimensions. It was like wider. There was like something about it that like was a just fashion a industry little bit, magazine. Yeah, it was just like a little bit bigger. And throughout the magazine there were these one sheets. They like pages that were just full page movie one sheet like posters, essentially. And I'm sure that's somewhere there's gotta be a picture of your room. Cause it was like Every wall was covered with these posters from these movies ripped out of Premiere Magazine on the wall with that like blue tack. I don't know if anybody remembers. I don't know if it even exists anymore. It does. It
0: does. I, I've, it does. I
3: haven't seen it since your bedroom in the 90s, but it's. Way, uh, you
0: haven't been to like a Dwayne Reed in, in a while. Well, time. I, feel, I don't know where else you would get it. Yeah. Walgreens. Know
3: haven't haven't come across them. Thank you. I won't use it. But it's like this putty, and that got all over the walls. But that's how this stuff was on there. And Dan, you're talking about how like erotic thrillers were in part. But I remember like Sleeping with the Enemy was on your wall, and like you know, Sleeping with the
0: Enemy is not an erotic thriller.
3: It's it's pretty much pretty much.
0: How is it not? not like Basic Instinct? Right, but I mean they're in the same they're in the same
3: genre. Sorry, I've been uh, watching a lot of Jeopardy, so the way that he says Jean, genre, genre, Jean. genre, genre, <laughs> genre. Uh,
0: yeah, yes, but I saw Sleeping with the Enemy in in theaters. So
3: the the what went on the wall was that only what you had seen or maybe yes. wanted to see. Okay. No,
0: it did not go on the wall unless I had. Seen okay, it. I want to know. I did not. Striped. I don't know the rules of the wall. No, I couldn't I couldn't make a false boast. <laughs> that would be But th- it doesn't no. have to be
3: a boast. It could just be like a hey, I
0: really like the artwork on this, which is I don't know.
3: <laughs> what are you looking I at? I saw me, like, everything have...
0: anyway. I saw if I liked the artwork on the poster, I saw the movie. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough.
3: Fair enough. Like um yeah, yeah, I I mean like I I'm sure that there are some of them where if I saw the poster I'd get like that, like a quick flash of like where it was on your wall somehow.
0: So, and I'm pretty sure that actually is so, and I, I, I'm trying to think of how I could give directions, but I'm pretty sure that I remember where approximately where it was. I think it was like, there was a closet. Wait, are you talking and, about quick change or sleeping with the enemy? Uh, quick change, quick okay. change. Um, I think that it was kind of along the the top of the wall- uh, past the closet, okay. There was a closet, which is currently
3: inhabited by our father's
0: World War II books <laughs> and Howard Stern books, and all of his copies of Howard Stern books. Yeah. It's not that there's a lot of Howard Stern books; it's <laughs> all just of his copies. Few, many copies of the like three Howard Stern books. So, oh boy. yeah, his, his World War II books, his yeah. Civil War books, and yeah. If these yeah, walls could sure talk, quick they'd say I'm pretty sure. Quick change. If these walls could talk, they'd say, "Can you get this blue shit off of me after thirty fucking years?" Yeah, so R-rated uh, <laughs> movie today. So yeah, I so
3: swear. I I've been marking all of these episodes as explicit just in case because I feel oh. like something comes up.
0: I I do try to behave myself if we are. On they something come up that as explicit. It's fine. It's, it's okay. fine. It's fine. Who gives a shit? Yeah.
3: So. Dan, do you, is there anything else that you want to really go over with Quick Change?
0: Am I am I missing um, anything? No, it's just it's it's one of those movies that I think it, it, people of uh you know that generation, people of of our generation, are I I think those who saw it have an affinity for it. I don't think it's for. I, I I feel like there's some people that would be turned off by it because it's not a typical comedy. And I right. remember as a kid, I it wasn't my favorite comedy to watch because it, it had some really dark moments in it.
3: Yeah, it gets some flack because like there's really nobody to root for. Like you're rooting for these bank robbers, and it's Phyllis. like they're well, the, she's the only one that you you know, and like Loomis is just kind of like
0: pathetic. And... Well, Loomis and – I haven't made of Mice and Men reference in a while, mm, so here we Loomis go. and Grimm are your Lenny and George. Right. Mm-hmm. Loomis just follows whatever – Loomis worships Grimm. Yeah. I, the relationship is – I'm curious about the relationship. Like, I'm, I, I want to read the book mm. to get some more background on the relationship because it looks like, like Grimm and Loomis have kind of been around – each other like grew up around each other
3: yeah it seems like that
0: yeah but and and then phyllis has been in the picture for i guess a number of years right so yeah i'm not so interested that i want to see a whole prequel about it but like i -hmm. figure the novel's gonna gonna give some background so i i I definitely after the last time i watched the movie i felt like okay i want to i want to read the source material i want to check it out and and see what what's not in the movie or what's there but that like you can't recognize it if you haven't seen the movie or if you yeah. haven't read the book. Yeah. So go ahead. Yeah,
3: I, I no, I was just saying like, you know, people didn't seem it seems like the general response is like people didn't see anybody that they could really root for even though yes, Phyllis, but still she's part of this and you know, spoiler, but at the end, she shows up and she's still gonna go off to was it like Fiji or something like that? Yeah, I yeah. think Fiji. Yeah. yeah. So uh yeah. Oh, we didn't really talk too much about Kurtwood Smith, Lombino. Just it, like it's you're it's perfect. You're he's perfect. He's perfect.
0: Yeah. It's great. And it's a it's a great twist at the end. It would you know what? It would have been a better twist
3: for me because when we first see him he is you know in the line to like you know get his boarding pass or whatever at the airport and he is claiming to be russ crane with his wife
4: hey clown
5: get the hell back in line i just have one question uh is there a problem sir
4: too many passengers i'm afraid yeah you better be afraid nobody does this to russ crane Nobody does this to Missus Russ Crane, you glorified stewardess. You, what's the matter with you? You afraid to do a man's job?
3: But the fact that it's Kurtwood Smith tells you there's something more to this character than just like the rude guy at the
0: airport. I don't know. I guess i i didn't I didn't think about that when I was when I, when I first saw it.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, because what I mean, RoboCop. What else was he doing around this time?
0: Dead Poets Society. Yeah. He had a, uh, you know, he had a pretty significant role in that. Yeah, Um, but I
3: guess if you clocked him as being an actor that you recognized, you would know that this isn't really, like, this Russ Crane character is not just some asshole at the airport. Yeah. Yeah. But it is yeah, an, I, a, it is a nice so, twist, yeah. though, that he's on the plane. I mean, weird coincidence that he would be on the plane, and that
0: well, also if he's know. a major mob figure and he's just like he's making a scene right. at the airport, yeah, in public, uh, not running you know, low, like, yeah. I mean, there's still cops around around the airport. Like this, is, I know this eh, is
3: 1990, you know, less so years
0: ago. yeah.
3: <laughs> well. yeah. So um, anyway. I gotta say, when I watched it recently, and it's like, I wonder if like, if this was a bigger part of my childhood, maybe I would have liked it more, but watching it a few weeks ago, I, would, I didn't love it. I felt like the ending wasn't, it just kind of like, I, I wish that it kind of went on just a few minutes longer, or like, I don't know, there was just something about it that just didn't sit right with me. Um, It didn't
0: end with the three of them sitting on on a beach, sipping drinks out of coconut shells with a Calypso song playing.
3: Yeah. uh, Reading the book that Danny DeVito writes at the end of um, Throw a from the Train.
0: (laughs) Precisely. Yeah. Uh, No.
3: And it wasn't their ending that I wanted more of. I feel like it was more Rotzinger's ending that I wanted more of. Um, I I don't know. Well, they have it. Guess, well, because he they, is the one likable character. He is the one that you're rooting for. I mean, well, I guess we are living at a time right now
0: where, you know, it's very – we're in a
3: very anti-police time.
0: Yeah, and that's all. but that's also like reality. And, uh, you know, we're definitely not anti-Jason Robards. No. So, uh, it, but in, and it ends – I think that that's something I see is the, the frustration where it ends with him – realizing as the plane is taking yeah. off that that was like, yeah, we have to get accommodation for this Kapowski. I mean, Chipowski. <gasps> right. Yeah. That's and how, then, uh,
3: yeah. Cause what is it? Chipowski that he says his name is at the beginning yeah. or something like that.
0: Yeah. Um, or at the, not at the beginning at the, uh, well, when he there- says his name is Chip. He, he's Chip. He's like, I want you to call me Chip.
3: Right, but at the beginning of the movie, when he first tells his name, like that's how he makes the connection. After the plane is like, not until it. the
0: end. It's not until the end that he says Chip. He says in the beginning, he's like, "You can call me Chip."
3: That's what I meant. That's what I meant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: yeah. And then it's Chipowski. So that's like the, the big. I feel isn't there Bill like a, doesn't
3: he like stumble on the the name in the same way at the beginning and the end, and that's how he. Really makes the It's something like that.
1: Hey, hold it, my friend. Thanks for the assist.
4: No problem. I'd
1: like to give you a commendation. What's your name and
4: address?
5: Oh, that's great. Uh, Dan. Dan. Chapalski. S K I ending. Mm-hmm. And it's 111 Astoria Boulevard, Queens, New York. 111 one Okay, Dan. Which are more like you. Don't say that.
1: <laughs> Come
5: on, James.
4: these guys i didn't sir hey remember we gotta commend this kipowski i mean chipowski
0: yeah i mean i totally get it it's a yeah and i think that there's definitely a nostalgia factor for me Mm -hmm. in watching it and it's also interesting watching it uh, looking at new york circa 1990 sure and yeah. you, you know just kind of like the 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 things that have remained constant versus you know what what was kind of the general impression of the city then so mm-hmm. and and also as i've been learning more about organized crime in new york in the in the 70s and, and 80s it's uh you know like some of that stuff made a little bit more sense okay it. yeah uh, i mean but, what about it made more sense um, I, I think the, the randomness of, oh, they just opened this door and uh-huh. there's a, a, and the fact that like, oh, so that is kind of plausible. That would have, mm. that, gotcha. that actually, I mean, and it's, it's, it's cartoonish. It's a little cartoonish. It's a little surreal. I feel like, and this is where there's a, I see the flaw in it. Like it's, it's a fun movie. I'll, I'll watch it again.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I, Yeah. But I think part of the, part of the flaw is like the other, there's an unevenness to it. Right. Mm-hmm. And the, the tone of it, it's very uneven where the beginning of the movie is very much. And I, and I, I kind of think this is intentional, but don't know why, but the beginning of the movie is very much like Hollywood. This is a Bill Murray summer. Yeah comedy where he's playing this clown who robs a bank and we have all this interplay and it's shot very much in that fashion and the music behind right. it is very much like it's more a bank robber yeah today. it's definitely
3: it's more heisty it's yeah and then it takes a lot of really slower weirder turns
0: the right. Movie. And, it, well, it becomes After Hours, it, 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 mm. which is another movie I've I've watched somewhat recently, um, Martin Scorsese's right. After Hours, uh, with where Griffin Dunn just kind of gets, you know, sucked into the, uh, you know, seedy nightlife of East Village, New York. Right, in, right. In the mid 80s. So, and it becomes, you know, whereas for him, it's just like, he's just kind of wants to get home. To wherever he feels safe in his in his comfort zone, wherever he lives in the movie, and for for Bill Murray, it's just like New York is this hell that he can't escape. His name is Grim, Grim, yeah. Like, so uh, I'm wondering if there's some if there's supposed to be some more meaning to this. If it's if it's one of those like, hey, like quick change. We're gonna make a quick change in the movie. You're gonna get go into pace. this movie and. You, And you're just going to be like, oh, this is a this is a fun summer summer romp. And then next thing you know, you know, there there's the the jousting scene. Yeah. And it's like, what is happening here? and why is it happening?
3: I think that what's happening and why it's happening is you have two people who don't have much directing experience, if any at all. I don't know if Howard Franklin really did much before this. And I know he didn't do too much after this. I know they did larger than life together, but yeah.
0: And he did the public eye with Joe Pesci. When was that? That was 92.
3: Yeah. So that's after this. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. I feel like maybe under the direction of somebody with more experience, you would have had a more cohesive tone. But mm-hmm. I mean, still, this movie is remembered fondly, and people watch it for nostalgia factor and enjoy it that way. But you know, I don't know. Maybe it could have been something better, but we'll never know. Or will we? And that's what we're going to talk about
0: now. Or will we? <laughs> oh, why? What? So you 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 weren't you're not as much of a fan of the original. Is there anything that you would do to so shake it up?
3: As we know. Grimm is now the new criminal that Rotzinger has never caught, to our knowledge. So, what I'm thinking is, we have either the child or grandchild of Rotzinger who is like making it their mission to like finish their father or grandfather's like unfinished business and track down Grimm and serve justice in whatever form that is
0: i don't know so does bill murray end up like uh got like a I, I don't know uh I'm trying to think of how old bill murray is right now but like a, a 70 like year 70? old is bill murray gonna, he's gonna be like a 70 year old fugitive and yeah it's and it's maybe, like,
3: maybe at the end of it it's kind of just like well you got me now what i'm an old man yeah. Like, I haven't done anything, <laughs> I haven't broken the law since then, I blew through that million dollars years ago, so like, what do you want from me? You know, and it's, you know, maybe just the satisfaction of finally getting to him, figuring
0: out where he is. Kind of have the rules reverse where it's the younger cop maybe looking to make a name for himself. Maybe he's not a cop. Maybe he's not a cop. Maybe
3: he's a journalist, maybe... You know, who knows? He could be anything.
0: Be a florist. He Just could be unemployed. He's, yeah. Yeah. Who knows? He, yeah. Maybe he's, he's unemployed and he's like, oh, what else am I going to do right now?
3: Maybe he's a podcaster doing a series about tracking down this long lost criminal who robbed this bank dressed as a clown in 1990.
0: It'd be great if his podcast series each episode was about a different fictional criminal that that got away <laughs> at the end fictional criminal that got away <laughs> well yeah no no but i mean in this in this universe it would be real but i'm trying to i'm like to- drawing blanks on criminals that have gotten away out- outside of grim so well, it's like a db cooper you know db cooper yeah mm-hmm. db sweeney db sweeney sure Okay. When, I don't. I don't know. I'm playing word association. Oh, I'm fried. I'm fried. Well, Dan, um, what what would you do with this one? Okay, I was trying. You know, trying to think about what what's, what's going to work here, and I thought, well, you know what? Why not make a remake? And and this is, I I really wanted to read the book, and I. Wish that I'd had time, because I think that's always a good place to go—is to go back to the source material and see yeah. maybe what's there that that didn't Was make the, it jousting into the movie scene in there. Like, yeah, is I, I want to know, yeah, about the jousting. No, I want—it's a whole movie about that leads up to the jousting scene. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like like a rogue one, <laughs> and
1: yeah,
0: um, no, I th- I thought you know why not do a remake and. I, you could set it in New York. I think you could also potentially set it in other cities, but I, I, I would actually make the remake in in the seventies,
2: mm. maybe the
0: early eighties, and like at a time when it's like really gritty in New York. And I, uh, it just kind of threw a cat. Like the first people that popped into my head for the roles as grim Sam Rockwell, yeah, as Loomis Chris O'Dowd. Okay, and as as Phyllis Kerry Washington, oh, okay, popped into my head. I was like, who would be re- who would be really good in that role? That wouldn't be just like doing the Gina Davis thing, but would also right. bring like that, you know, like that that Gina Davis, like Gina Davis, as um, you know, even in these parts where she's like the quote unquote romantic lead, right. there's still this. I don't know like this power that she brings. She, these, yeah, she's for roles. sure
3: a presence. Yeah. So, you know, you know who'd be a good Rotzinger? And I don't know if you could do this so oh, much. Oh, who, who right. well, who are you thinking? Cause
0: I, you know what is, I don't know. De Niro popped into my head. I feel okay. like he's done the role a million times. So maybe not. Yeah. De Niro. Ed O'Neill. Is another one that I would love to see have a I don't know, another (laughs) big screen movie. Okay.
3: You know, what if and I don't know if this could work as much in the 70s. It would definitely mean something different, but like what about like Jamie Lee Curtis? Because Jamie Lee Curtis. I'm thinking about her like performance in like knives out, and it's just like she's so good.
0: And, uh, you know, she is, she can be a real like badass ball buster. So Gene, uh, sorry, Jamie Lee Curtis as, as Ratzinger. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah. I mean, like if you look in the context of like women in power in positions of power in the new, in the NYPD, it might not work in the seventies, but in general casting for that character. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Well, you know, and it's making me think actually of, uh, is it Mercedes Rule in the Warriors? Yes. Yeah. yeah she's the undercover cop. She's the undercover cop, yeah. where it's like, Yeah. You know, that that's what what cops, the female cops would be doing around that time. It's, you know. Yeah. Less, less um, being the
0: chief. Yeah, more being the decoy hook. Right. But yeah, that's kind of yeah, that's what I was thinking. Well, yeah, my ro- earlier. Really or the chief could be Mercedes Rule.
3: You know? Getting her come hey, she was just in um what was the movie that she was just in? Hustlers.
0: Oh, I didn't see it. Was she was she
3: in that? Hustlers. Yeah, she plays Mama. Okay. Terrific, terrific. I'm I'm making all these I'm making all these pulls tonight. What's in this wine I'm drinking? Yeah,
0: I don't. Grapes? IMDb wine. Yeah, it's just,
3: <laughs> grapes. Uh, so are there grapes in this wine.
0: Um, and I was thinking, I was like, I don't know, just throwing around some directors, and like Ryan Coogler popped into my head. Ryan Coogler's great. It's like there would be something a little, little different for for Ryan Kugler. So yeah, if anyone has any, uh, their uh, please, if you have your casting preferences, if you're like, if your ideal Ratzinger is know, Danny DeVito, uh, sure. shoot That'd us an email different. at runechildhoodspod@gmail.com. At and yeah, <laughs> I feel uh, like Danny DeVito. You throw him in there, and yeah, we're you
3: know. on, uh, we're on Twitter. Uh, at ruined underscore pod, we're on Instagram. Ruined childhoods pod. What's up? What are you uh-ing?
0: Well, no, because I was thinking of of our next movie that we're gonna be talking about, and uh-huh. then I thought, hmm, is Mr. Harvey Keitel too old to to be a rot singer? Uh... Probably, but Ooh. Harvey Keitel, uh-huh. who who is on the other side of the law in the movie. We'll be talking about in our next episode. Well, one of the movies we'll be talking about. Right. Sister Act. Sister Act. We'll be talking about Sister Act. We'll be talking about Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit.
3: Back in the Habit. I watched it last
0: night. I am so excited. Watched the, the, the OG the other night and we're going to watch. They're both on uh, Disney
3: Plus. If you want to check them out and follow along in the next episode, send us your thoughts. Uh, sister act and uh, if we can get if we can coordinate it we may have a little special guest appearance not for the whole show but just for a little bit
0: ah yes and hmm. by appearance I mean auditory
3: appearance we w-
0: yeah no we well let's we may get to hear from someone who had some firsthand experience on the set of sister Act. yes oh boy yes. oh boy oh, so boy, oh, boy well who knows it could be anybody.
3: Well, Dan uh, Unlike (laughs) Grim, Phyllis, and Loomis I wish you a good journey
0: And a good journey to you
3: all
2: I was walking on the ground I didn't make a sound Then I turned around And I saw a clown Stood on a mound, started barking like a hound. When I came to it, I found he showed me something that was brown. So we became great friends. And late in life, he got sick. some soup but he got worse it asked for its purse it got it but it was empty so it cried a plenty I wondered what to do I didn't know what to think so I got a drink and and then I showed it something that was round then it died smile fell on the ground about those days with the clown, I get teary-eyed and and really snide. I think, deep down, I hated that clown, but not as much as Mr. Farr. I'm going to go smoke a cigar. On the ground, I didn't make a sound. And then I turned around. I saw a clown. A clown. A clowny clown. Clown. Ha! <laughs> I hate you, clown. With your ugly frown, smiley lips. I Think I'll clip you across the nose, clown. <laughs> With this cigar, will get you real far. Like Mr. Far, get it? <laughs> Mr. Far? Clown. Clown. <laughs> See what his cigar will do? <laughs> Clown.